What is up, Hockey IQ listeners? I'm here to chat about our newest sponsor, Sensorina. Your brain is one of the most important parts of your body. Why not invest in a tool that allows you to train it? With Sensorina, athletes can gain a competitive edge using VR training. Players are able to go through a scenario thousands of times without having to step foot on the ice. No more waiting around for puck touches or perfect scenarios. Sensorina can enhance reaction time, decision-making, and multitasking abilities, making you the next MVP. I mean, if the LA Kings are using it, it's got to be good. With our promo code HockeyIQ, you receive $50 off an annual plan purchase. Head on over to Sensorina.com to check it all out. On today's podcast, we bring on Dave Caruso. Dave is out of Columbus, Ohio, so we love him already, uh, coaching education director. So really enjoy this episode. What did you take away, Dan? Yeah, that was a ton of fun. We had a good chat, lots of laughs. Honestly, like, it, we, this was just a really fun episode. Like, it felt really conversational. We were just kind of like just chatting with an old lost buddy and uh, really enjoyed his perspective on where USA Hockey is going where it's been and uh i think all of our listeners will really appreciate it yeah that's great um also just really enjoyed the first story that we dove into here uh giving him some crap one of his teams uh is i don't know infamous is probably the best word what do you think dan for, well i don't for, you, you love this story you love this you love the schadenfreude of a, of a person getting embarrassed on usa hockey on repeat for something not that embarrassing yeah, it's really not that bad. I think, the, he, like he said on the story, he just just got the team. It's not like it was him. But I remember he was visibly rattled uh, when this happened. So it was great to finally get his perspective and, and not just get that third person. Without further ado, here's our episode with Dave Caruso. On today's podcast, we bring on Dave Caruso with USA Hockey. Uh, he's had his hands in just about everything. So I'm going to let you kind of give a little bit of a background on your involvement around, around the game of hockey. Cause it's, it's clearly extensive. Yeah. Thanks for being on. Um, really excited to be here, Greg and Dan. So for me, um, kind of a weird road, grew up in Georgia, graduated high school in Georgia, played hockey there. And then uh, from there played junior hockey in Boston, ended up at, at Ohio state or uh, more affectionately known as the Ohio state university played pro, but always really was coaching from essentially when I was even in high school coaching, youth hockey teams or helping out. So really love the coaching aspect of it. And after playing pro with the Devils and a couple of different teams, ended up with a job with the Devils. So Lou and um, or Mr. Lamarillo and Chris Lamarillo came and offered me a goalie gig with the Albany Devils. And, you know, I was the same age. I was right out of playing uh, with a lot of those players and did that for two years. But it was pretty tough being away and kind of that minor league life and came back to Ohio and just was working with a bunch of youth teams here. Uh, ended up uh, jumping in with Ohio AAA Blue Jackets, but also Ohio State as a coaching consultant and always doing some USA hockey stuff in the spring and kind of goalie coaching or goalie development coordinator um, when they were jumpstarting the goalie program uh, for the coaching there. And uh, got the opportunity to be with USA hockey in July, 2019. Uh, with a manager of coaching education and really, really enjoy my time with them. And as I was telling you guys earlier, um, the coaching ed piece is, is I'm really passionate about because it's not just working with the 20 players. 
I get to see, I mean, I probably went through 1,500, maybe 2,000 coaches total that I've talked to from um, August to right now. So that's a big piece that you get to help your players throughout the country. So that's what I'm really excited for. That's really cool. And I love that you're coaching the coaches and affecting so many just beyond the team you had. Uh, I remember you when I first saw you, uh, you're doing a coach education at USA Hockey and you were just floored at the off ice ability of your club. So maybe give a little bit of story on that one. Yeah, so uh, with USA Hockey, they do this thing called NARS, which is the hockey director's training. Um, for hockey directors, you come in, they usually they had it in Columbus for quite a few years. And I was part of it. I was part of the, as a hockey director. Um, so I was coaching 14 and under. And I was able to bring my 14 inner team as kind of like guinea pigs that we're, we ran them through. So for every single year after that, and this was maybe five years ago, it's on all our coaching education pieces of how my athletes or my players couldn't do a um, cartwheel or a somersault. And they were showing how the Finnish players could do it. So every single time that came up was me, my team who I actually didn't just pick them. I, we just selected the team, couldn't do that. So I, I get the gears from all my colleagues that, um, and then a couple months later, um, we made sure that we were doing cartwheels and somersaults a lot and kind of that physical literacy piece. So the coaches who were, I think Roger Grillo and a couple other guys, Bob Mancini, I was like, hey, 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 hey. And I brought my goalie over and I was like, show them the cartwheel. So they were really happy that I was able to put that piece in. And I really felt, you know, I did something. I, if, if I didn't teach them anything, I taught them how to do a cartwheel uh, for my 14 year olds. That's, That's hilarious. hilarious. <laughs> Greg loves that story, man. He loves to bring it up. Like he brings that up all the time. He's been waiting for this moment for months now. All right. And, I gotta... it, and it shows up at different times whenever I'm least expecting it. It's too funny. What was the transition like going from coaching players to coaching coaches? So I was always doing a little bit of, of coaching the coaches. I think now that I'm in this USA role, I've learned a lot more about the adult education piece and what are the coaches need and, and different from the players because they have their experiences that our players don't. So when you're coaching the players, a lot of times don't have the experience that you have. While as a coach, we want you as coaches to learn and kind of reflect back on your experiences. And that's how you're going to learn. And that's how you're going to get, um, you know, expand your coaching knowledge. I like both. There's not, hey, I like doing this. I like doing that better. I think just that piece of being able to affect more players by coaching the coaches is really beneficial to me. I'm curious. You've coached in so many different roles. What was it like being under Lou Lamarillo? Because I've we've had a few guests that have worked under him, and that's been an interesting story in itself. Um, and then maybe just some things you've taken away from him, because he's obviously a legend of the game. So uh, Mr. Lamarill was unbelievable. Anything, you know, that you needed or wanted to win, he provided for, for the athletes and the coaches. Uh, really treated all the coaches exceptionally well. I was in their organization for four years or whatever it was. So I had a, a good background as a player. Um, I knew the, you know, the New Jersey Devil way. And as a coach, the funny story is my first day on the job, I was really dealing a lot with Chris Lamarill, his son, who's the assistant general manager. And the first day on the job, NHL training camp it was actually the lockout year. 
So we had Pete DeBoer, Scott Stevens, and when you shake Scott Stevens' hands, like he's a bear. He's, uh, it's unbelievable. Larry Robinson, all these people. But, you know, I was so nervous. I was the same age as a lot of these players. I was like, Mr. Lamarill, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. I really, really appreciate it. And all he said, all he said to me, he wasn't like, hey, great, uh, you know, really happy. Don't F him up. And then he walks away. <laughs> and I was freaking out, freaking out. I, would, I, I went to um, Rick Kowalski and Tommy Abilene, who were the assistants and the head coach in, in Albany. I'm like, oh, this is, this is. And then that was maybe one of the five things he, he said all year because he really liked Chris and, you know, they let you do your job. But I mean, it was, it was funny. Like when he has something to say and it's still to this day, I saw him a couple, couple, uh, like a year ago in with the Islanders and, you know, just talking to him he's he's like just chirping the goalie coaches. He's like, we're watching training camp. He's like, those goalie coaches are always talking. You're always talking. And then he was like, just walks away from me. So, but everything of how he approached the game, how he approached his staff, how he's approached the other coaches, the end goal is to win. And the end goal is to make people around you better. Um, and he talks about that orchestra analogy pretty well, right? Like everybody has their role uh, in whether it's Mike Rupp or, you know, um, Kenny Danico or Scott Stevens, they all have your, just with the coaches. And, you know, you got to be the best at your role. And sometimes you're not going to get all the glory, but in the end, you're here to win championships. And for me at, with Albany, coaching Albany, we were there to prepare players. So, um, I mean, we have Scott Wedgwood and Keith, Keith Kincaid are both essentially playing in the NHL right now. And those are two of my goalies. I was just going to ask. So thank you for clearing that up. What, what was it like? What was the dynamic like coaching players who are roughly your age? Tough a little bit, but in the end, what you got to do as a coach, right? You build rapport, you know, that you got to have them understand that you're on their side and that you want the best for them. In the end, that's, you're trying to win. You're trying to get them to the next level. So if you're up front and you're not, um, you know, fake, they're going to respect you. They're going to want your opinion. They're at elite, elite level players. So it's not like they're, you know, um, some person that thinks you're, they're out to get your job. You want them to succeed because in the end, that's just going to make them, you know, make millions of dollars and being up front and being truthful and pushing them when you need to push them. And each of them are different. Like I had one goalie who was like, Hey, please just stay on me to stay on after, and do this or that. And the other one maybe needed a little bit more, you know, um, time. Hey, you need to get off. You're, you're done. You're done for today as in giving them rest. So that's what, just what you're managing. And that's where that respect and that rapport that you built. So do you get retainer for when they make their second contract? Is that how that works? And no, you don't get much. You don't get much except you, you can get a few phone calls that you can say, Hey, can you get me tickets? That's, that's the only thing. That you get so not bad well uh what separates a lot of players obviously and why, why it's the hockey iq podcast is that hockey iq aspect and be able to think the game curious from the goaltender's perspective and your perspective you know what is goalie iq what is hockey iq from a goaltending perspective truthfully i think we do our goalies a disservice um as they grow up you know a lot of times we leave them out on their own in practice, we, uh, some coaches don't even speak to them, and, which is, has changed, and we're pushing that change. But um, even in, um, you know, coach, coach talk or locker room talk or developing, there's not enough times that we actually engage the goalies and question them. And I learned that from my coach in, 
Philippine juniors, Mike Odessa, and he would really, really um, ask a ton of questions to the goalies about knowing the game because as the goalie, you are the quarterback out there. You're the one that needs to know what um, Greg, you're doing on defense. Dan, you're doing that forward. You got to communicate. You got to talk. You got to make sure everybody's on the same page because for the goalies, you're not just reading the opponent. You have to actually read the situation for all your players. You got to look at Greg's, you know, maybe he usually does this on defense or maybe he was, uh, he's leaning this way and what your tendencies are because the cues that you're giving me, Greg, and Dan, you're giving me on the defensive side lead to my reads and um, knowing the game that way, because it's easy to say, Hey, just stop the puck. But the best goalies, Mario Brodeur, um, Patrick Waugh, all these goalies were extremely, extremely knowledgeable about not just their position, but everybody else's. Mario Brodeur used to talk about how he would watch when he goes home, NHL network, just the highlights. And he would have a, essentially a Rolodex of all the players of what they did. Uh, and what they do and the the knowledge that he has, you know, um, was lucky enough to be around him for a little bit. And just little things like he would say, hey, the difference between me playing in New Jersey compared to me playing in for Team Canada, the New Jersey players know that I'm going to put these pucks in the corner with a little bit of arc. OK, and that why I put these pucks in the corner with a little bit of arc was to give my D time to recover. A lot of times the goalies, right, they put, throw them in the corner and just, hey, the, the rebound's in the corner. But if the rebound is down to the ice quickly, that is the opportunity for an opposing player to grab the puck and immediately attack the net. And I know you guys talked to attacking nets, right? Like, hey, get the puck, attack nets. And Coach Lehman with our World Junior team is, uh, was big on that. Gives him a little bit of time, that puck bouncing. That was the difference. He didn't know what his D were doing. Like he had world-class D for Team Canada, but he didn't know him. So that brings up that piece about the awareness of what Greg's doing, what Dan's doing, and having that um, accountability for your goalie. That's wild and well said. Uh, I don't want to skip over it. We kind of already – we like we, – we, I don't want to do a disservice to you by skipping over it. Uh, you said you grew up in Georgia and ended up playing junior hockey. Obviously, you ended up playing pro hockey, Ohio State. What was your – youth hockey experience like obviously growing up in Georgia not necessarily a hockey hotbed although obviously now things have changed at least a little bit but maybe the thrashers yeah <laughs> he was pre-thrashers so they were my favorite team when I was a, a junior or senior so I went to the first game against the devils there you go um so it was pretty cool like pretty cool story to sign with the thrashers and then play for the devils my two favorite teams but growing up in Georgia three rinks some were 25 to 45 minutes away or longer, but uh, born in Long Island. My uncle actually played division three for Connecticut college as a goalie. And he was only like 15 years older than me. So came down to Georgia playing hockey. And I think playing in Georgia made me a better player for a couple of different reasons. One, initially I played on a couple of different teams as, as a goalie and as a forward. So having that awareness of being forward, playing forward and roller hockey, um, and not just playing goalie. So I played a lot of different positions. So I love playing forward in roller hockey, love playing forward in, in high school hockey, but for travel hockey, I played goalie. But I think that right there gave me the awareness, one, of different positions and what players are doing, and also um, thinking kind of as a coach now, right? Like, um, But if it wasn't for Georgia, I don't think 
my make it to you know our our coaches all loved it and I think our midget team we had like three kids played division three one a couple kids after me played division one a couple pro Brad Miller played for University of North Dakota and played a little bit of pro um, he was two years younger than me three years younger than me he's still playing in Germany so there was a lot of good players we just didn't have the depth as as other players and other areas, I mean. I'm amazed with goalies when they play out. Um, and I really shouldn't be, but they could just finish like no one else can. Like, I'm always, this guy can't even skate. Like, why is he scoring on our goalie so much? And they're like, oh, hey, he plays goalie. I'm like, oh, that makes so much sense. He knows where all the holes are. Like, just like cutting across and like throwing it off the back, like sliding pad so they knew it was going down second. Like, damn. Yeah, so um, I, don't, I think you probably already realized that the goalies are the athletes of the team. So we're really good at everything but our outside edge. Um, that's the one thing we're not good at is having that outside edge. And we also probably throw change-ups and kind of curveballs to the goalies. So you might think we're scoring a lot, but it's just the goalies are not used to these unbelievably bad, weird releases and shots that they have no clue about. So it's kind of like the trick shot. It's, it's the Phil Necro coming in. Um, you know, the cues are all different than what your typical players are coming at you. But we like to score goals and we like to celebrate and let the goalie know that we're the goal, a goalie regularly when we score. Yeah. Speak for yourself, Greg. I've never seen a goalie score a goal. Oh, uh, man. I had, I had a guy at Akron. He played roller hockey one year and he just – he just finished. We're like, this guy could barely skate out. No idea. But then he would just finish nonstop. It was ridiculous. He, he was like the uh, Elias Pedersen. Like every wow. shot, he, it seemed to go in. That's quite high praise. All right. I wanted to get into your current role, manager of coaching education with USA Hockey. Maybe uh, we'll, I'll ask it vague on purpose and you can kind of go wherever you want. But what initiatives are you guys looking at now? Like what's, what's coming down the pike? And, and maybe what are you most proud of so far? Yeah, so it started July 2019, and um, we've been in a change um, with a lot. So in the past, we did a lot of the, the what to coach, and with our curriculum now, we're changing a lot to the how to coach, and we're still going to have some of the what to coach, but in the end, all our coach developers or instructors have, and coaches in chief and ADM staff have gone through uh, essentially adult education training and what's best for the adult and how do they learn the best. So we've, we've done a lot of work there. We're changing all our curriculums levels one through four. We're going to have continuing education pieces that are hopefully be rock solid. And, and I know some people, um, all their age-specific modules. So right now we have five age-specific modules, and they're pretty long. Honestly, like they're too long. Some of the stuff probably shouldn't be in there. We're moving it to three. And I'm, I'm leading and we're actually doing some some cool stuff. Uh, we're working with a with a firm that's going to help with the adult education piece. But um, we have, I think, some topics that will really hit home and they won't be sleep for the 8U. And no offense at that time, it was world world leading stuff. For this stuff, we've learned so much in the uh, adult education piece and being there. So th that's the exciting part. That's kind of the day-to-day the -day role that I have. And I'm also lucky enough to be a, be part of the goalie, the goalie nation group and um, have some say with, with where we're going. We, I mean, Steve Thompson, our EDM manager for goaltending there has really added a ton of 
ton of volunteers across the country that really help goalie coaches and chiefs, goalie uh, development coordinators, goalie development leaders. And I'm able to work with player development camps in the summer and was lucky enough to go to Germany last uh, two years ago, I think it is now, um, with their U17 team. And uh, th that was a, a great experience over there. Well, you've also been to China, correct? Doing some coaching over there? China was uh, a different. So uh, China was part of the IIHF. Um, short story, a couple, when I was a goalie uh, development coordinator, they were looking for somebody to go at a certain time. Um, Phil Osair, who was our old ADM manager, kind of put out the all points bill bulletin. Hey, does anybody, is anybody interested? It's a month away. And it just worked out perfect on my schedule. I, I wrote in, hey, I can do this. This would be a neat experience. And going over there made you coach the coaches a hundred times better. So kind of going off of what we've learned in the adult education piece, where a lot of times in the past, it's death by PowerPoint. You're just talking and talk and you think your words and you think diagram and stuff is, you know, you can go on for an hour. In China, you had to really dial down of what you were saying for the translator, or you had to demonstrate it without using any words because they had no clue what you were saying. So going on our how to coach skills, we, we talked with USA Hockey and we worked with the United States Center of Coaching Excellence, where how to explain and how to demonstrate are two separate entities. And we probably don't have enough time. Some people listening have probably heard about it in the coaching clinics. But if you're talking while you're demonstrating, they're either paying attention to your mouth movement or they're paying attention to your actual demonstration. So learning that of using your words to really mean something or using the demonstration to really showcase a skill or a technique that you want to put forth. I think kind of opened my eyes a lot in China to do that. And then just kind of kept on going. I was lucky enough to go two times to China. It was a really neat experience. Not like just traveling over there, working with the coaches, working how they coach is a lot different than U.S. or Canada or any other country of just their social expectations as a coach. Uh, but the kids, uh, they were great. They just wanted to compete and have fun and smile. And kids are kids. How are they different? The the kids or the or the coaches? Well, I, I was asking about the coaches, but I guess both either. Okay, so the coaches, um, typically you wouldn't be able to call out um, anybody coaching. So if, if, Dan, you were doing something bad in your coaching, I couldn't be like, hey, Dan, don't do that, right? because that's a sign of, of weakness for you. So you had to be careful of how you presented information to coaches, but also a lot of the coaches who were there, they were very dictatorship rather than asking questions. So we were working with um, males and females, but we actually had a, a handful of female Chinese national players and they've been around the world competing and playing and they were great. Some of the males was a little tougher to get to because if they, if they seem like they didn't know, it was, a, it was against their character. They felt defeated. So you had to be careful of how you approached it. Um, the female Chinese national team players, they were awesome. They, were, like, they, they wanted to get better. They've been around Canadians, Americans throughout the world. So they have a, a, a better understanding of, we weren't attacking you. We're just trying to make coaching better. Right. There's a kid up here in Cleveland. He's uh, from China, and he is 100% awesome. So I, I would expect sooner or later a player to come out of China who can 
break the NHL. I mean, you, you've probably been over there and seen it. Hockey is better around the world than we give credit for. They put uh, tons and tons of money for the Beijing Olympics. They were popping up rinks, and I don't know how many they they added, but what they were doing is where they were popping up rinks where they were making double sheets with with the bubble. So they would just build right down the middle the locker rooms and then bubble it up on both sides. And it was an easy way for them to get rinks up fast when they only really needed to make down down the middle. And yeah, they put a lot of money and resources to it. That's why the Chinese Federation asked the IAHF to send some people over there. So you're doing a lot of coaching of coaches. What's it been like with coaching coaches on goaltending specifically? Because you were the Madame guy for coaching goalies. And I went through that personally uh, with you and Dave Caruso. And uh, sorry, you are Dave Caruso. Uh, Pittsburgh. Shane Clifford. Shane, Shane Clifford. Yes, Shane Clifford. Um, and that was. Don't confuse me with Shane. Seriously, Come you got to edit that out. Yeah, that's, that's why I, I went double, I went doubling down on Dave Caruso. But yeah, that was an awesome experience. Understanding like how the padding works and how it all fits into the post play and how goalies kind of alter that. So I'm curious, dive in more on that side of things because obviously USA Hockey does a great job uh, with all coaches. Yeah, so the goalie coach profession and the, has really exploded. I think there's a lot of really great goalie coaches that really want to help all the goalies. Um, the, and sometimes it's too much. Right. And I know I talked a little bit in the end, it's just, if you stop it and you're an athlete and you're part of the game, right? Like how do you effectively move as fast as you can? How do you get in front of the puck? How do you control the rebound? And just like players, right? Connor McDavid is Connor McDavid, but there's players Alex Ovechkin does not have the most perfect skating stride, but he's extremely effective. So having these goalies and, you know, we get in the, the, the hole of, Hey, that goalie looks awesome, but can't stop a beach ball. So the challenge now for us as USA hockey and not just goalie, but, but full coaching, everybody coaching is how do we not just make them goalie school goalies and how do we make them puck stoppers? And puck stoppers often. And for me, that boils down to how do we coach the coaches better in effectively getting better activities for them to do in practice? So I think we've been known from the very long time, you're just a target. You're just a target. A lot of unopposed shooting drills. And like what I talked to you, Greg and Dan, about earlier about, hey, I got to read what the defenders are doing too. The more that we can incorporate those defenders, in there, the more that we're going to promote better awareness for our goalies to be able to read situations and read players, because we do a fabulous job, a pretty good job at making pretty technically sound goalies, which technically sound doesn't really mean. Burdor, Hasek, not technically sound. Stop pucks. Knew the game. Understood what was going on. How do we get more of our young goalies to be able to do that and have our goalies, goalie, our coaches think that Hey, I don't need to have a ton of knowledge. I just need to know what a good drill is or not. Like, is this drill crappy? Is this hitting, you know, the really good elements of a good drill? Is it transferable to the game, right? It might look good cognitively, all that stuff uh, for their time. It's going to look good on Saturday, but long-term development, is this transferable long-term 
for the athletes to put them in the best position and have the highest ceiling. And that's the challenge. And, you know, Steve Thompson, they had the bronze, silver, gold goalie clinics, our coaching clinics that they put, and you were part of it, Greg, but it has totally evolved into even more. So we did a really good job. We think at the time we did a really good job, but looking back, you're like, man, adult education piece, like we could have done a hundred times better for you, Greg, you know, and that, that falls on us. And that's always trying to get better. Just like all you guys, right. We're just trying to get better at everything. Well, that packet, I, I still have that packet. I've scanned it in. I've forwarded on to other coaches and we've talked about it. So at least the packet, it lives on. Oh crap. I don't know what the packet is. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was literally the handout and it had like page by page and there's gear stances, drills, the whole nine mm. yards. I got all my notes in it and, I'm th- trying to think probably five or six coaches on, on my ends. You've already influenced there. Good, 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 good. So now, now we got coaches that are goalie coaches too. So considering down the goaltending track, I think one more and then we'll, we'll move on here, but curious on the trends in goaltending that you're seeing, obviously you've got a high perch uh, to oversee a lot of different things that are going on in the game. Curious what you're seeing. Post play, post play, post play, right? We get, we get the hard rap on uh, social media a lot whenever they see a bad goal from a sharp angle. And I know you guys did a, um, a couple of things on that. I, I think, you know, a couple of years ago, I was lucky enough that I went to this um, goalie coach convention or whatever it's called. And they had the person that actually started all that post play. It was a female um, coach um, from Lulu up in Sweden and they called it SMS. And the reason that she gave on this post play was if they scored a bad goal or what we consider a bad goal or most people consider a bad goal, they just weren't good enough or they didn't execute properly. And that's the problem with this post play. The goals are just not executing or they're not good enough in that situation. Just like any, anything. I think we just, you know, now with what's going on, how fast the game's moving and you're seeing a lot more goalies now that are, using their skating and using their size more to their advantage uh, in situations. And I think the more that we become better play readers and not just better reactors in that, not just actors, the better these goalies are going to be. And that's design and drills, right? They're going to be really good at these drills in practice because they know, hey, this shot's going to come here. Then you're going to get the next shot over here. Then they're going to go over here. And if the player doesn't shoot there, like what we said verbally to everybody, the player gets yelled at, not the goalie, because we're working on this particular technique. But we all know in the game, it could be a shot from any, anywhere at any time, depending on the situation. So the more that, and we've seen a lot, we've done a little bit with some of the pro-American goalie coaches, and it's just, it's just changing. There's a guy named Ben Franks over, he's a soccer, or a football soccer, uh, person on Twitter and he does a lot of work with goalies in soccer or football and if you have time check him out he's pretty locked in locked in uh, of stuff that I think where it's going to evolve because we are ahead of our ourselves or ahead of a lot of things and where we were 20 years ago but I think we're still behind a little bit not just USA hockey just all goalie coaching can you give us a uh, sneak peek of, of what he's working on or what you really enjoy about him? So he's really big on setting up the environment of and kind of what I'm talking with defenders and not just that technical piece. Yes, there's going to be a part for the technical piece 
um, especially as they get older. But having that environment of where these goalies have to make decisions, given what's around them. And, you know, whether it's a if they're really working on their post play skills. Yeah, it might be the environment where the play is starting from behind the net and there's a couple options and you can get point systems for if you stop it uh, or you get, you know, if you're going down and you make the wrong read, you can get negative points. And having that kind of accountability and um, that gamification approach, um, I think, will be translated here in the future with a lot of the goalies. It just takes time. On the adult coaching education standpoint, I guess, first of all, are you still, um, are you still involved with like the level one through four training? So what we did this year was typically we're all in person for levels one through four. We pivoted to uh, virtual. We did 386 or 387 uh, levels one through four this year, all virtual, all with our new curriculum. And um, it's a big piece. And then we had actually 15,000 or four, a big number of, of temp cards that people took for COVID for different reasons. They couldn't do the online. They maybe could only do it in person, whatever it is. So there's going to be that big chunk again. And truthfully, the virtual clinics were such a big hit because you could just stay in the comforts of your home and not have to travel and be gone for a full day. Uh, and the way that we did it was pretty good. Like it was, we got a lot of great feedback, but there's going to be in-person clinics because you're going to get, I think you're going to get more jam for that in-person and being able to do it. But having a couple of days of doing a clinic Tuesday and Thursday really can kind of speed up that learning approach. So I was, we did clinics every single, every week since. I don't Sounds like you were I, busy. Yeah. We How are you? I, how's your mental state these days? I mean, it's gotta be taxing. So I did a lot of the, we called it the producer role. So the behind the scenes moving breakout rooms, doing all of that, which is all great. Doing the uh, presentations were a lot of fun because then yeah. you're really coaching the coaches, right? Like, then you can really talk to them, communicate, bring up good points. It's kind of your, yeah. okay. but zoom is zoom is a little frustrating right know. now. I hear you. <laughs> okay. So you've mentioned now a few times that the, the curriculum's changed is changing. Uh, it's been a few years since I've gotten my four, like what, I guess like big picture, like what, what would you point to as like the big changes? So the how to coach skills. Um, before you, you would go in there and we'd talk about skill progressions. We'll talk about, you know, skating some, sometimes very death by PowerPoint night and day change. Like it's you're in and out of breakout rooms. There's the, to the virtual, the chat function, but we were testing it out for a, a year and a half prior with a couple of different, um, places and the feedback of the learner, the learner learns by doing so those breakout rooms and gaining the experience. Um, and it's not just the knowledge that the instructors have, because seriously, you're, you two are going to have a ton of knowledge just in your breakout room with other coaches or, Oh man, Greg does this in Akron, but Dan does this in California. You know, like this is what I do and having that experience with other coaches that maybe you connect to and have that social network. And I know Wade Gilbert, who, who's big in coaching, um, coaching fundamentals and, and all that, 
um, from Fresno State, he talks about having like your support network. And hopefully in the end, you're going to be in a group or a couple groups with Dan, Greg, whoever, that you did a couple projects or things within the virtual clinic, but you can reach back to that support network and that's going to make you better. That's going to improve your coaching. That's going to improve your, you know, be your truth teller. Buddy, I wish I was in California right now. Let me tell you. <laughs> no, you don't. Uh, it's all COVID uh, right now. It's, it's, holy. it's all, all right. They're Fair closed enough. down. You can't even play adult hockey there. You, you wouldn't even be playing adult hockey. That's go, go to Florida. It doesn't exist. They all live normal. No, no rules. Yeah. So I guess I, I wanted to ask Kenny this, Kenny Roush, but we, we ran out of time with him. Do you think there's ever going to be uh, a scenario where the level five becomes either mandatory or like um, maybe not mandatory, but like more like part of the like accepted curriculum? You know what I mean? Like I, I would love to do it. I was going to do it this like 2020 pre-COVID, obviously. Through I was going to do it if it wasn't in Duluth, Minnesota. I was going to do it in Duluth, Minnesota. I, I just – I mean, with COVID, we couldn't do it. But uh, I guess just like, what's the what's the deal with level five? Like, why is it such like a standalone entity? And can we do this in Vegas? Okay, I so would we never, honest to God, like if we were in Vegas, that you'd have a hard time getting people like <laughs> up and at it. Let's be all right. Tampa, somewhere warm. <laughs> I, I was thinking. Um, okay, a couple of things. Level five um, has always been kind of like the standalone. Um, you get it like as a um, achievement kind of thing. What's happening here in the future, there was legislation that passed last June of having levels one through four, you'd have to take in consecutive years. You're, you're out, you're done, Dan, you, you're grandfathered in. But starting actually this upcoming year, if you started at level one, you had to do levels one through four in four consecutive years. The level five and other things will be part of continuing education. So in the past, we've done a ton of high performance clinics or stuff like that, where they're kind of not random, but different topics. Now that that piece is a continuing education. So if you're a coach, you go through your level four starting this year, every couple of years, you're going to have to do a certain continuing education piece. And that's where that level five would fit in. And I'm not sure exactly the right now what the rating of how many credits that would be or, or how that's going to sit. I, we do know that I don't I don't want to put it on air and you take that and then you could have your continuing ed credit or you can have a um, coaching clinic run by Martin St. Louis, right? And have somebody and have him and, and you get a certain amount of credits uh, for taking a clinic there and or maybe have Mike Lichtenberger put on a, a special clinic that has Philly, Philadelphia Flyers um, alum as part of it. Maybe they're teaching power play. As for location, I wasn't there when they chose Duluth, Minnesota, but I have an affinity towards Columbus, Ohio, which would be an unbelievable location. Be unbelievable. And also a place called Nashville, Tennessee. That would be an unbelievable location. That would be unbelievable. And also Honolulu, Hawaii would be my third option. But I don't think you can go wrong with either or all three of those. Um, the, the last one's a bit of a, a, bit of a flight, but – why don't we just do it in Cancun at that point? Yeah, it's a it's a destination uh, level five. We're not talking about like it's a destination. It's still it's the lug, luxury line. I'm sure it'd be easy to explain to the wife why you're going to Hawaii by by yourself for a week. <laughs> All right, uh, okay. Last one on the coaching uh, educate the adult like adult continuing education front. You know, one thing that I noticed, uh, and again, this was years ago, so I'm I'm curious like what all's changed. 
and I'm going to generalize like big time here. So forgive me in advance, but like you, you're, it's an unenviable spot for USA hockey because you are trying, let's just use level one as the example. You're, you're trying to cater to um, hockey lifers who have plenty of flaws. Don't get me wrong. Um, their own bias is kind of working against them. I'll be the first to admit. And you've also got just like a random dad in this class. So they're coming from two completely different spots. At the end of the day, everybody is there for the right reasons and, and they want to, to be, you know, the best coach they can be, but how, how challenging is it to like bridge that gap as like a presenter and maybe just from like USA hockey standpoint. And that was a big issue. And that's a real issue, right? Like we have Owen Nolan in there who's played a thousand games or um, some other, other people that are NHLers. And then we have um, Susie or, or Bob, the mom or dad that are coaching. And I think with the new curriculum, and how this is put in place, the stuff that's going on here are all stuff that if you're an NHLer for 15, 20 years, you'll learn something. Um, we had um, just the other day, he was in our Oregon clinic and we were teaching how to, how to coach skills. Okay. And the, how to explain and, and talking about planning, you know, keeping it short and simple, uh, gaining their attention and check for understanding. And this check for understanding piece, game changer game changer. So you think a hundred times that you're, you're explaining this drill, they go in their, their, their line and they're just drill rackers. And you're like, I explained it perfectly. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. Right. But in the end, did you check for understanding? Do you, do they really know what you, what you um, wanted to tell them? And so many times, even these high, high ex NHLers or college players or pro, they're like, I never thought of it like that. I never thought of the check for understanding piece and, you know, within uh, the skill acquisition piece with a, and constraints led approach, a lot, a lot of people just don't know. Like they've been through all their drills. They did a hundred times. Uh, RJ Amberger, he would talk about, <clears throat> so he was in a clinic level three or something a couple weeks ago or a couple months ago. He afterwards is like, I've been through thousands of practices um as a player and then hundreds as a coach but the point that i'm going to take on this is what i just said is in order to have uh the amount of reps and the uh, development that happens in one game would take seven sorry the pra the amount of development that happens in a really well-run practice one really well run, run practice would take seven games and you know he goes like I was just kind of, you know, doing my coaching and not really thinking about how much impact I could have. He goes, I could have a ginormous impact on these players. I think it's for now, I think it's, it's good for all coaches that hopefully in the end, we have that goalie coach thing where you could be a, a goalie mom or dad, but also bronze, silver, gold. And I think hopefully maybe you even have like a skill skills coach. I know they have that in Canada and that would be really cool for, people that really want to get, you know, more in depth and having, you know, websites or newsletters like you guys and podcasts that really want to get more in depth on, you know, the nerdy hockey stuff that you say, Greg, right? Super nerdy. It's what I'm all about. Like we're, we're not for the everyday fan. Like you got to really love hockey to, to appreciate the hockey IQ podcast and newsletter. I mean, you, you've read it. We, we get, we get dirty. <laughs> it's all good stuff. It's all stuff that, you know, and, and here's what, what happens with our coaches. It's, it's having that information in time or at the right time. So 
Greg, Greg, Dan, you might be writing all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it might not really hit home for, you know, Eric Dill or whoever it is that is um, coaching right there. But maybe something happens in their game or practice that he wants to uh, look up. He Googles you. And then the information that you have available, whether it's about, you know, the crossovers or whether it's about transferability, it's that information that they get right then, not the stuff that we force down their, their, you know, and say, Hey, you got to learn all this stuff and, and all that. So I think that's really, I think what helps with our coaching, our new, our updated coaching clinics is kind of that social and long-term experience aspect and not just, Hey, you need to learn how to take a snapshot. This is what you do. That's boring. Super boring. And no one really cares about that. No, no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. By the way, Eric Dill, that's a real name. Like I, for, a, for a lot of listeners, like that's a name I haven't heard in a long time. I haven't seen Henry in a long time either. Awesome stuff. Well, Dave, this has been a ton of fun. Appreciate all the knowledge dropped. I'll give you two minutes at the end of the episode here. If there's anything you want to plug or, or talk about or things you're passionate about, if not, we'll, we'll wrap it up. Really appreciate you coming on. Uh, no, really appreciate you having me. Um, always love talking hockey, especially um, with some Ohio area people. And um, just, uh, I work for USA Hockey. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at USA Hockey Coach. But there's some really, really cool webinars that we did last spring. Um, that uh, from John Hines to Stuart Armstrong to Mike Eaves, uh, Bill Beanie. There's some world-class ones right there. If you get on at USA Hockey Coach on YouTube, do that. Um, in the end, just want to try to get players and coaches better and you never stop learning because, you know, like it, it, it's, you always have, and this is from John O'Sullivan, the change of the game project. Your influence is never neutral. You're either influencing them in a positive or negative direction. And it's up to you as a coach to, to make that happen and, and bring that every day. So, and for all the coaches out there, thank you so much for coaching. That's, it's a thankless job sometimes, but you really are making a difference. And hopefully, maybe in the end, they come back to you. They play the next year. That's what we want. But maybe in 10 years, 20 years, you see them playing at Madison Square Garden. And um, you give them a call. And you say, hey, I want tickets. And, and you get tickets to Madison Square Garden because that would be pretty cool too. But Or if they come back and be a coach, I think that's even better. That's awesome. Dave, thanks a lot. We really appreciate your time. That was a lot of fun. And uh, we'll catch you down the line. Thank you for tuning into the Hockey IQ podcast. We are Hockey's Arsenal, Greg Rivak and Dan Ducart. Together, we've come together to create a platform and a community to expand on hockey intelligence, hockey IQ, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we're very passionate about seeing this game played smarter and better and continue to develop itself uh, to the next level and staying on the cutting edge of things. So you can find us at Hockey's Arsenal on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. We're also at Hockey'sArsenal.com. Uh, from there, you can find some resources and some options to work with us. We're excited to continue this. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, subscribe, follow, and share. Uh, you can also join up for our newsletter as well, where we're going to tackle anything Hockey IQ related. So we're excited to have everyone here and continue to build.
that concludes this week's episode. Thanks for joining us here at Hockey IQ. If you haven't already, take a quick moment to hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, and drop a review. If you want to be a great teammate, even recommend us to a friend. You can follow us at Hockey's Arsenal on Twitter and Instagram. Check out the website, hockeysarsenal.com, where you can subscribe to the weekly newsletter. You won't regret it. Catch you Buttes here next week for a brand new episode.